Welcome back to Resurgence episode, I can't remember. I, I probably should have figured it out before I started, but I decided not to. I just want to start off and say that I'm really pumped about this episode. I think the biggest reason why I'm pumped is because I actually came prepared. <laughs> and it's not going to be as much as a rant as uh, previous episodes have been. And another reason why I'm pumped is because I've never done a topic like this. So last week, I spent a lot of time on politics, and which isn't bad at all, but I kind of want to jump back and forth between politics and religion since my podcast molds both together. And so this episode is going to be more directed towards already believers. If you don't claim to be a Christian or if you disagree with my Christian views, I highly recommend that you still continue to listen because this is something that any anyone can hear. Uh, it doesn't have a, a specific audience. It does and it doesn't. You'll know why once I get into it. So today's topic is going to be about accountability. And in the Christian world, this can kind of be a scary word, uh, the word accountability. And I know a bunch of things just pop up into a Christian's mind when they think of accountability. And there can be some negative attachments to it for some people, and there can be some really positive attachments for other people. Uh, I'm sure people come to mind for those who have accountability, and I'm sure for others, it's just... When they hear it, they're like, oh, here we go again on the whole accountability bit. I don't want to hear this. Well, I still think it's important that you do hear it because it's biblical and it's a positive thing. Even though people might have had negative experiences with accountability, it can still be a positive thing if done correctly and if it's embraced correctly. So... Jumping into accountability, I'm going to kind of go over the what, the why, the who, the where, and the how. And I've actually been reading a book called Finally Free by Heath Lambert. Highly recommend it to anybody just struggling with, with purity. Um, and it's, it's for people who are struggling with it, not struggling with it, it is directed towards men. So men uh, read it. But what, there's a chapter in there that talks about accountability a lot. And, you know, I stopped and thought, like, well, I know that a lot of Christians think of accountability as a correlation to sexual purity and sexual sin. But accountability can be used for any sin, <laughs> not just sexual sin. And I see Christians seek accountability more for sexual sin than any other sin and all these other sins for Christian men just kind of stays in the dark and we're so focused on our our sexual purity which is good but if you're not focusing on these other purities then it's it's only half good it's not 100% effective when it can be effective in other areas of sin as well so i'm just kind of going to introduce accountability and what it should look like in a christian's life i by no means am saying that i am an expert in accountability in going to accountability or even being an accountable person for, for another person. These are just thoughts that I have. They're very, I think they're very basic, but for somebody it could be like an epiphany, an aha moment for them. 
and these are some of these things I've taken from this chapter that I read. Uh, other things are from the Bible. And other things are just what I think accountability looks like. And you can either agree with me or disagree with me. As I've always said, if you do, please reach out to me and I'd love to have a discussion about it. So jumping into it, what is accountability? I think everyone has their own definition. My definition is in the Christian belief, it's in, in the Christian belief is when a believer who's struggling with a specific sin seeks spiritual mentors slash leaders to help them fight and defeat the sin. This typically happens for a sin that is reoccurring in a believer's life. So it's not just, you know, someone who's lied once and they usually don't lie and they're like, oh, oh man, uh, what's happened to me? You know, it's, it's somebody who has these repetitive sins and it usually happens to addictive sins. Uh, I'd attach it to addictive sins. I mean, yeah, you can be addicted to lying. You could be you know, addicted to envy, but not in the, not in a sense where like, it's not, those aren't, uh, see, I don't know how to put it. I think the best way to do it is just to give examples. Uh, sexual sin, for instance, is addictive. Uh, alcoholism is addictive. Drug use is addictive. Those are probably the three biggest ones. Things that are addictive, any Sugar, you know, that could be addictive in the, in the sense of, like, gluttony. So, like, these these sins of, like, envy. Yeah, is envy, could it be addictive? Well, it could be addictive depending on, like, what you're doing with envy. You know, if you're constantly stalking your neighbor because you envy their lifestyle, that's addictive. You probably need some help. <laughs> but that's what accountability, I think, is for. It's for addictive sins. And it, it, it's repetitive. It's reoccurring in a believer's life. Um, Galatians 6, 1 through 5, actually speaks about accountability. And it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. So, very explicit about accountability. It, it never actually says accountability, but you're, you are to help your brothers bear one each other's burdens, and you're fulfilling the law of Christ when you do this. Uh, it, Christianity is a, is a community religion. It's not an individual religion. It's not about self-meditation or self-motivation. It's about motivating each other, being a community, being in fellowship with each other. And accountability is a huge part of that that I think a lot of Christians forget. So now that I have the what is accountability, why is accountability so important? It's important because it keeps us close to Christ. I, I read this in, in the book, Finally Free. When we are seeking help from spiritually mature believers, we are essentially communicating to God and to the church that we realize our sin is wrong and we seek to repent and we seek holiness. That's why accountability is so important. It's not, uh, it, it shouldn't be, I mean, it should, but it shouldn't be somebody who feels like a dog between, with his tail between his legs, constantly going to a superior, you know, somebody who's far more holy or far more righteous than them and confessing their sins. This isn't that. This is somebody who realizes that they have a problem and they, they realize that, or, and they're uncomfortable 
with with this problem that they have. They're uncomfortable with their relationship with Christ because it's not close enough. And accountability does that for you. When you when you seek out a brother, you are, you know, like I said, you're communicating to God that I realize I have this sin in my life and I want to be close to you. And I know that I can't do this alone. And so I'm going to go seek out brothers and sisters in Christ so that I can be close to you. And in return, you also, you, you, re, you receive praise for that. I mean, God's grace is lavished upon you is forgiveness and you get close to brothers and sisters in Christ and you establish this this family uh connection with them so this is what that's why it's really important because it brings us close to God and being close to God in in my eyes is the far most important thing that anyone needs to be focused on uh if you're doing something that doesn't bring you close to God you shouldn't be doing it and so accountability is actively seeking God if you do it right. And it's, it's actually quite simple. You just find somebody close, and I'll get, I'll get into that. So we seek accountability because we seek to be in a close relationship with God. As believers, we can't bear our sin on our own, which is the very reason why Jesus died on the cross. So it's tied in with the, the whole gospel message. You, you don't go to accountability because you can do it on your own. You go to accountability because you know you can't do it on your own and you need help in that. And it's also a sign of humility when you realize that you are sinning and you need help and you can't do it on your own. That is a huge step towards humility. And the Bible also speaks about that in James. Um, for those who humble themselves will find favor in God's eyes. So accountability is extremely, extremely important. And accountability keeps us walking in the light. Uh, how you can do accountability wrong is when you are walking in the darkness and you're using your accountability partner only to give them a report of your walk in that darkness. I mean, that doesn't even make sense <laughs> if you really think about it. Accountability is supposed to keep you walking in the light. I have an accountability partner and I'll be honest, I haven't, I haven't used him the way that I should be using up until recently. I haven't been keeping him posted on, on how my day is going when I'm tempted to fall into the specific sin that I have. I, I haven't been telling him of this before I fall into the sin. What, what I see most believers do and what I am a huge culprit of is we claim that we have an accountability partner. We probably meet with them once a week for a few hours. You go home, you live out your week. Probably two days later, you're tempted by the sin that you talk to your accountability partner about. You don't reach out to him or her. You, 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 you try by your own energy, by your own means to not fall into that sin. But some people, I think, secretly know that they're already going to fall into that sin. So let's just get it over with. I've had that thought. Let's just get this over with. Let's just get this sun, sin done with and just fall into it. And then when you meet with them that following, you know, Friday, Saturday, whenever you meet with them, you give them a report. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I did this a few times throughout the week. And, and it's like, uh, that's not helping at all, actually. Heath Lambert in Finally Free says, First, if you were caught in a sin, you need to be restored by someone who lives by the Spirit. We are not designed to pull our way out of our spiritual ruts and our own strength. We need the help of other Christians. And it's true. 
you were not designed to. If we were designed to, we wouldn't need accountability. We'd be, it'd be so easy for us to say no to sin, but it's not. It's really hard to do. And that's why it is so important that we need each other. There's no such thing as an independent Christian. It just can't exist. You know, I, I am, by personality, by nature, an independent person. I like to do things on my own. I would rather not trust somebody else with my life, <laughs> with my things, with my responsibilities. I'd rather, I'd rather do it myself. I'd rather take on the load myself. But that's not how Christianity works. Christianity is Christ took that on for us because we couldn't. And that's, that's our justification and part of our sanctification is sharing our loads with each other and to lovingly want to do that and to lovingly want to carry the burdens of somebody else because the accountability partner is also responding appropriately to how Christ and how Paul calls us to be as Christians, to love each other and to, and to carry each other's burdens like it says in, in Galatians. Both both people are receiving something good out of that. It's not, if you, if you are an accountability partner for somebody else, you shouldn't be thinking, they're just using me. Because, yes, they are, but for your spiritual welfare as well. Because you, too, are living accordingly to what the Bible calls you to do. So, who do we seek? accountability from you know we know it's important in everything we know we should find a believer to run to in times of temptation and to pray with and to read the bible with and to share life to share our burdens with each other with but who's the right person to do that and i'd say and heath lambert also says seek accountability from a wiser older christian pastors spiritual leaders, family, close friends, or even, and I, in my notes here, I wrote a stranger in your church, but in stranger, I put in little air quotes because my accountability partner now was a stranger to me when I first went to him and asked him to be my accountability partner. And I actually want to dive a little bit into this. There are benefits to finding somebody that you do not know well to be your accountability partner. My accountability partner helped mentor me through a missions trip. He helped me figure out how to raise money, how to send it in to the organization that I was going through. And that was all I knew him from. I've never actually had like a real conversation with him. It was all about royal servants and it wasn't even conversations. It was just more like, hey, I have a question about this. Hey, here's my answer. Okay, thanks. I'll get back to you if I have another question. And I came back from the missions trip and I was like, I need an accountability partner. And so I went to him and hardly knew the guy. Now he's a close friend. And I would, I would say he's a close friend. But he was a stranger, and I think there's benefits to that because if you are if you're willing to share your your life and your your mistakes and your sins with somebody who doesn't know you that well, they're going to be a lot harder on you than like family is, and that's the downside to having a family member is that they can be too easy on you. You know, my dad he he loved when I went to him 
and confessed sins to him that I had and went to him for help and for prayer. But there was one time when he told me I I probably shouldn't be your accountability partner. You need to find somebody because I know that I could be too easy on you because there's a that that fatherly love there, you know, you want you don't want to hurt your child. You don't want to you don't want to punish, you know, your family member, especially since my sin isn't sinning against them. It's sinning more against God. I mean, yes, the, my sin affects them, but I'm not sinning against them. I'm sinning against God. And that's why you that that's why it's a a benefit to you to go to somebody that you don't know extremely well because they're they care about you, but at the same time they're gonna be hard on you if if that makes sense. So those are those are the the examples, pastors, spiritual leaders, family, close friends. And make a list. I mean I am stealing from Heath Lambert as I'm saying this. He he says to make a list of people, and I actually did make a list of people. And I know that as people are listening to this right now, like I said at the beginning, they're probably thinking of sexual sin. And I think of sexual sin. But this can be for drinking. This can be for eating. It can be for watching movies, too many movies, watching too much YouTube listening to too much music, anything that's addictive and like leads to sin, leads to selfishness, to self, selfish desire, selfish pleasure, anything that brings you pleasure and it has an effect on other people. You know, working too much, being a workaholic, that could warrant an accountability partner. And I'll go over some examples that I think for, for each uh, a little, little later. But first I want to get into some dangers of seeking an accountability partner. And I, I have, I have your four, four different people that you don't want accountability from. You don't want accountability from somebody who's also experiencing failure with the same sin that you're experiencing. Let's say you struggle with smoking and you're, you're trying to quit smoking. You're not going to go to somebody who also smokes a lot and they're not making any progress in their smoking either. This is really why I don't understand like A&A meetings. I mean, I really don't know a whole lot about them. And listeners, you can tell me if my, <laughs> if my knowledge of A&A meetings is right or not. But it's a bunch of drunks, a bunch of addicts getting together in a circle, talking about how they did over the week and they're going to other drunks. You know, maybe the person leading the, the meeting has has succeeded and has had victory over their, their alcoholism. But it just doesn't make, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me. And, and this isn't to say that the accountability partner that you need to run to is perfect in this area of sin. But it should be somebody who's experiencing success. Somebody who knows how to fight this, who knows how to fight it effectively, and it's worked for them. Because then they're going to share those details with you, and it could work effectively for you and you could also be successful but if you're if you're smoking a pack a day and you're trying to you're trying to do it with another person who smokes a pack a day well let's say one of you fail you, you both of you have been going really good you you both have been going a week and let's say you, you've only been smoking three cigarettes a day instead of a pack well they give in because they just had a really bad week and they, they smoke a pack. What does that 
like what kind of message does that send to you? Oh, they're, they're doing it. So, you know, and they're my accountability partner. So, you know, I'll fall into it too. You know, what, what's, what's the pack again? You know, I've been doing pretty good you know, and you, you end up dragging each other down together rather than lifting each other up. And this is another part of the whole humility part in finding accountability partners. You want to find somebody who say it bluntly is better at you in that area. <laughs> Someone who's experiencing success in a sin where you are experiencing failure. To put it in other, like another metaphor that doesn't relate to sin, let's go to like a workforce. You know, you want to you be promoted. You want to experience success in the workforce. Well, you are not going to go to a trainee to be boosted in the workforce because they're not experienced either. If neither of you are experienced and you want that promotion, you're not going to go to somebody who just is brand new to this and they have no idea what the heck they're doing. You want to use the right resources. You want to go to people who are experiencing success in that workforce, somebody who has a lot of accomplishments in that workforce that can bring you up, that can teach you how to be successful at your job. And the same works for accountability. You want to go to somebody who is successful in that area of life so that you too can be successful. Second person, don't choose someone who's at the receiving end of your sin. So what I mean by that is, let's use sexual sin. I wouldn't want my accountability partner to be my wife because she's at the receiving end of my sin. When I fall into lust and I act upon my lustful temptations, I'm sinning against God and I'm sinning against her because I entered into a covenant relationship with her where I promised to be pure and I promised to love her and her only. And when I fall into that sin, I am sinning against her. And so she shouldn't be my accountability partner because there's too much emotion there. There's too much of an emotional attachment there. It, it, could, it could stir up like this bitterness or this anger or this unfairness where they're telling you to do things that for them could come from a selfish side. And there's just things that they don't need to know because you need, you need to protect them. Not from your sin, but they don't need to know all of the details because it could just make things way worse, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yes, you should be confessing to people who are at the receiving end, but they're not the right people to be keeping you accountable for this stuff because there is too much of an emotional attachment. It upsets my wife when she hears of these things and it, it angers her. And so her response could also be sinful towards, towards me and it just wouldn't be effective for me and it's not effective for her. It, it deteriorates both of our spiritual and emotional health. And that's why you want to go to somebody who doesn't have that attachment to that sin. And that, that's the best example that I can uh, think of for don't go to somebody who's at the receiving end of your sin. Somebody who isn't being affected on like a day-to-day -day basis by it. My accountability partner isn't directly affected in that way because I haven't entered a covenant relationship with him in that. Or I, my, my, my sin doesn't affect him emotionally like in that way. I hope that makes sense. It makes sense in my head. So, 
the third person. Don't choose someone who is a newer believer or doesn't know how to fight sin in a wise manner. And so this kind of goes back to the whole job force thing that I just did, the workforce thing. You don't, you don't want to go to somebody who's brand new to this kind of stuff. Somebody who just became a believer yesterday, I would not run to to help me in overcoming my, my spiritual downfalls. That shouldn't be their burden to bear, actually. Uh, it's very unfair to them because they're, try, they're trying to learn and they're trying to grow and they're trying to figure out how to live as a Christian. And you don't want to put that kind of burden on them. You go to somebody who's wiser, who has more, more age to their, to their Christianity. They've, they've experienced more. And so they can offer more advice. They can offer more tools, more resources. And you'll get a lot more out of it. The fourth person, don't choose someone who isn't a believer. This is probably the most obvious one. If you struggle with sin and it's a, it's a sin within Christianity, you're not going to run to an atheist on a week-to-week basis and try to find resources from them. You know, everyone has advice for everything. And everyone knows, for the most part, what's right and wrong. I don't think we, we argue much about what's right and what's wrong. Because, Christian or not, there's, there's like, alcoholism is a sin in Christianity. But if you're an atheist, you may not say that that's a sin, but you'll agree with me that... It's a very bad and it's a very negative thing and we shouldn't be alcoholics because it affects the people around us and it's unfair. It's selfish. But what an atheist won't do that a Christian will do if you run to them is they won't point you to God. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, and that, that atheist won't be able to bring you towards holiness, towards, towards righteousness. And that's why you need to find a believer, somebody that you know is a believer, not somebody who you question could be a believer, but somebody that is bearing fruit on a day-to-day basis, which is why it's, it's always safe to go somebody who's a spiritual leader in a church, a pastor, an elder, somebody who has some sort of position within the church, or it could, and it could be somebody that you've known for a long time and you've seen those fruits being, being born or however you say bear in past tense. <laughs> so don't, don't choose someone who isn't a believer. So that was probably the longest one, the who do you seek accountability from? Because it's really important on who, because that has a huge effect on how effective the accountability actually is. So where do we fight our sin? And this is good information to share with your accountability partner. So once you... Once you establish all of these, the what is, a, what is accountability, why is accountability important, who do we seek accountability from, now when you sit across from them in a coffee shop, you want to let them know where, where is this sin happening and how do I fight it? I actually just, I got a text from my accountability partner and he asked, how are you going to fight this now? When I told him I'm tempted to do this, he said, how are you going to fight this? And it's a good question to ask, and it's a good question to ask yourselves because it's good to know where the triggers are. Chapter 4, and finally, Free by Heath Lambert, this book that I've been referencing throughout this episode, talks about radical ways to not fall into sexual sin. And I mean, like, radical ways. (laughs) Stuff like, you know, 
throwing your TV, not throwing away your TV, but, you know, removing your TV from your hotel room or from your house or and a whole bunch of stuff, like just a list of things to do. And, you know, for alcoholics, it could be, uh, if there's a, if, if, if after work, it's, it's typical for you after work to go straight to the bars and to just get drunk out of your mind and to come home drunk. Well, maybe it's good for you to leave work with somebody who's going to take you home, you know, maybe get dropped off and have somebody at work, take you home. That way you don't go to the bars. If you, and same with, you know, smoking. If there's certain times of day where you smoke, make sure that your accountability partner knows these times of day so that they can text you during those times. If it's, you know, on break, if you, go, if you have a typical time of going on break, say it's 12, 12 o'clock, you know, make sure that your accountability knows that on 12 o'clock I go on break to have a smoke. And that way they can text or call you to make sure that, that you're not doing it during that time. And then it's up to you to make sure that you're not lying to them and make sure that you're not doing it at another time. <laughs> but that's the where do we fight our sin. You find these triggers, you find these moments throughout your day where this is, is happening, and then you fight it there. So you analyze your day and find the triggers. You find certain circumstances that trigger your sin. You find certain emotions that lead to that sin and what triggers those emotions. So if you smoke because you're stressed, well, what causes that stress? Is there a way to relieve that stress without smoking? (laughs) If you find yourself constantly falling into lust when you're home alone, well, make sure that you are out of the house. If everyone else in the house leaves, make sure that you also leave and you don't return until they return. Or if you do return, make sure that somebody knows that you are returning home. These These are radical measures like they're not they're not supposed to be um i can't <laughs> i can't think of the word right now because for some reason my mind just is coming to a blank but it's it's not supposed to be fun it's not supposed to be easy it it really isn't supposed to work for you. <laughs> that's why they're that's why they're radical. Is you have to take these extreme measures if you really want to cut off the sin. You have to take extreme measures to do that, if need be. And so that's the where do we fight our sin? And you can even make a list of that. I I made a list of stuff. You know where do I see this sin happening? What causes it? How do I make sure I don't fall into those circumstances? And if I do put, fall into those circumstances, who do I run to within those circumstances to make sure that it doesn't lead to sin? And once you discover those triggers, you set up boundaries, like I just said, to prevent you from being triggered. And it sounds simple, but when you're in it, it's hard. When you're being tempted and it's something you just really want to do, like, oh, I just had a long day, I just really want to drink. You can't. If you know it's going to lead to something sinful, you can't do it. I've been using those three a lot, the sexual purity, the smoking and alcoholism, but let's say it's, you know, laziness. You wake up and you turn on the TV. Well, make sure, you know, if you're married and, you know, your wife leaves the house before you and you don't get anything accomplished because you just watch TV all day, well, make sure she leaves with the remote (laughs) so that you can't flip through channels. 
find something else to do. If you have a laptop, make sure she leaves with that. Or a roommate. If if laziness is, is the sin in your life and you're addicted to procrastinating, you just don't want to get stuff done, make sure the things that are distracting you are removed from from your reach. Whether it's throwing it away so that you never touch it again or making sure that a friend uh, has the access code to your computer or, you know, to your phone so that you can't just sit on that and just scroll for hours and hours and hours without getting stuff done. You have to find the triggers. You have to set up boundaries that prevent you from being triggered. So now how do we fight this, you know? So I come home. I'm alone. I know sin's going to come in and it's going to try to tempt me. It's like this... The moment you open up the door, you just walk into this fog. You don't know where to go. And it's just going to cloud your judgment. How do you fight it? It's really easy. You read your Bible. Sit down, open up your Bible. Me, I read my Bible at a a, a coffee shop so that I'm not distracted at at home. (laughs) Because I know if I'm going to go to a coffee shop, I'm kind of stuck at the coffee shop. And I'm going to open up my Bible and read, and I actually face a wall <laughs> so that I'm not distracted by people around me. It kind of looks stupid, but I sit at like one of those high tops and I read my Bible facing a wall. Pray. Pray that God gives you the strength to get through that. Seek th- your accountability partner before you fall into sin. Not after you fall into sin, but before. And not, not before you fall into sin as in, okay, I'm going to seek them out. Okay, now I'm going to fall into sin. Like, no, seek them out so you don't fall into sin. Not after. Remove yourself no matter how radical from a situation, environment, or, or atmosphere that could lead you to sin. Completely remove yourself from it. If you're at a party and the alcohol comes out, leave. Even if you just showed up and everyone wants you to stay, Leave. got to take radical measures. The last one, I know this is, I hope people are, you know, not falling asleep. The last bit to all this accountability is the gospel. What is the gospel? How does the gospel play in all this? Remember that even when we fail, we can confess and be forgiven by Jesus's blood. We're going to fail. Let's be realistic. It's going to happen every once in a while, but it's, that doesn't mean like, oh, might as well just give up the whole accountability thing because it clearly isn't working for me. It is working for you if you're doing it right, and if you're following all those steps, but there's going to be a few times when you fail, and that's where the gospel comes in. You are making these extreme measures to be like Christ because you love Christ. You want to be in a relationship with him, but even when you fail, there's still grace, and that's what the gospel is. Jesus never once called us to be perfect human beings. He only says to believe in him and to confess who he is. This is our salvation. It's just as simple as that. We do not fight our sin because in striving for perfection, we will be saved. We fight our sin because we love Jesus and desire to be like him. We fight our sin because when we are transformed, we become uncomfortable with our current state and we want to have a pure temple for the Holy Spirit to reside in. This is why we fight sin. It's a part of the sanctification process. It's not going to lead us to justification. We've already sinned. We've already been blemished. We're already hell-bound unless you confess and repent. And understand that Jesus is Lord over you and is the savior of your sins. And you believe that and you have faith in that. If we continue to sin with the mentality that we would just ask for forgiveness afterwards though, then we are abusing the power 
of forgiveness and of God's grace. You, you're totally weakening what the gospel is. The gospel is so powerful, and when you, when you take it that way, that's not, that's not grace. That's not, like you're, you're perverting that with your foolishness. You're making yourself worthless is really what you're doing. When Jesus is trying to give you worth through his blood, you're just perverting it. As I said before, sin will and is killing you. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, that's, he's the only way. Seeking your accountability partner isn't going to save you. It's going to Jesus first. And then you continue to fight your sin after through your accountability partner. But it's always Jesus first. You're already saved from that. The only reason why we fight our sin is because we want to be like him and we desire to be like him. If you're truly saved, you will have that desire. It just kind of happens. I mean, you will and you won't because you're still in your flesh and it's going to want to not fight. But once you have the Holy Spirit, you're going to want to. You're going to have this, this desire to. So that's my piece on accountability. It was kind of a, a sermon, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's just something that I really wanted to talk about because it's been something I've been thinking of, about a lot lately. And I hope that it was interesting to, to you guys. Um, I understand this stuff can be really boring, which is why if you made it through this, I'm going to reward you with some, a few fun stuff. I'm going to talk about something politically real quick, and then I'm going to get into a fun topic I just want to real quick talk about how social media will change when a Democrat is elected to presidency. Wow, this is just a weird shift, huh? <laughs> Accountability to how social media will change when a Democrat is elected to presidency and revealing the hypocrisy of Republican social media. That's what I wrote down here. Wow, I should be like a, a news headline writer because that is, that is good. Trenton's good. Wow, props to you, man. Thank you. <laughs> All right. This is this is my this is my political topic. I'm just gonna make it real brief because I spent a lot of time on that and I didn't expect to spend that much time. I truly believe that when a Democrat is going to be elected, that the every like Republican social media page right now, every conservative page is gonna flip and turn to to whatever liberal thing is out there. You know, Trump, President Trump and his office have been doing a lot of good things, and they've also done some bad things. But the conservatives don't think that. I recently saw a post that said how Democrats see presidents, and it had Clinton through Trump, and it showed Clinton and Obama having little halos over their head, and then Bush and Trump had, like, devil horns on their head, and then it said how Republicans see Trump, or see presidents, sorry, and then it was just flipped, and then it said, like, reality or something like that and it showed devil horns over all of them except trump and he just had this little halo thing over his head and i think that that is absolutely ridiculous that is that's crap right there if i've ever seen it it's just ignorance really it really is and this was on a conservative page every president has done something good Every president has done something bad. Some presidents do more good than bad. Some presidents do more bad than good. But 
one thing that everyone needs to realize is they need to stop being associated with these names, conservative, liberal, Republican, and Democrat, and just actually be able to critically analyze a president and be like, that was a bad thing that you did there. I voted for you, but what you did there, bad, bad boy. You get a slap on the wrist or you get impeached or something. And if you didn't vote for a president and they did something good, then you say, good job. I like that. I didn't vote for you, but I appreciate that you did this. I really simplified that and kind of dumbed that down to sound like an idiot, but it's true. And we don't look at our president this way. It's like, I voted for him. I am with him from the moment he was sworn in to the moment he is out. And you can't do that. It's dangerous. You got to think critically. You're being brainwashed. And the reason why I kind of am throwing this onto the Republicans is because that's what all I follow is Republican social media because Politically, I lean more Republican than Democrat. We all knew that. But I'm starting to see like this hypocrisy where it's like, even if, let's, let's say when, when Trump runs, again, either, runs against either Biden or Warren, let's be real, it's going to be one of those two. Let's, you know, let's say one of those two beat him into presidency. I don't know how I'd f- feel about that. I don't know how I feel about Trump right now, <laughs> to be honest, but I don't know how I'd feel about one of those two getting into office. But if they're going to do something right, I really hope that I have the, the critical mind to, and the mature mind to be able to look at them and say, that was good. I like that. I don't support the most of the stuff that you do, but what you did there was good. And I approve of that. But I, all I'm seeing is you're either for Trump or you are against Trump. And it's like, can there please be an in-between? I can be for and against him. But apparently not. Apparently it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous idea. Forget I said it. Screw politics. Politics is so so freaking black and white. It's not true. I, and it's hypocritical for me to say this because if my youth pastor is going to listen to this, He's going to be like, huh, that's funny because Trenton's really black and white and he's yelling at somebody for being black and white. Yes, I am. Gosh, pisses me off. I've been having a good day. I ain't going to, I ain't going to stop having a good day. So I'm going to stop talking about that. I could get more into that later, but that's just a, a, a quick little thing that I've been thinking about throughout the week is I'm curious to see how social media is going to change when a Democrat is elected. It'll be interesting. And I'm probably going to have to follow all these Democrat pages, too, because I kind of want to be able to compare and contrast. Because I think critically. Props to me. All right. Fun topic. Honestly, I couldn't think of much. But one thing I do want to talk about is just the joy of celebration. I was at a wedding a couple nights ago. And I wasn't really dancing and stuff because I was protesting against the music. I thought the music was subpar but I was watching all these people just dance and and drink and eat and laugh and just having a good time and it was it was it was awesome like I actually got goosebumps watching these people celebrate celebrate two people coming together and becoming one for the rest of their lives and it was just so cool to see and it was so such a such a beautiful display and the reason why I th- it's so beautiful to me is because it's, it's foreshadowing what's to come in the future 
in Revelation, when Jesus comes back and he brings this bride together, he brings his church to him and we celebrate. And it's just that wedding night, 200 plus people celebrating what's going to be in eternity. And it was just really, really cool to see. It's just something I wanted to mention. Like when you go to a celebration, when you go to a party, just stop for a second and just think like, think about how great what, what the feeling that you're feeling, how great that feeling is. And as a Christian, think about how you're going to feel that feeling every single day for an eternity when Jesus comes back. And all this suffering and and all of this sin-infested world and everything evil about this world is someday going to go away. And the celebration that we were all feeling last Friday night at this wedding, it's it's going to last forever down the road. And that is just... It's so cool. <laughs> it's so freaking cool. So that's my encouragement for you guys. Is as you guys go throughout this week, you just have a crap week. Think about the celebration that you're going to have in eternity and how this one week is so small compared to the hope that we have in Christ and the eternity that we get to spend with him. That's it for this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys got a kick out of it. I got a real kick out of it. If you guys want... I'm just going to insert some annoying stuff right now. Follow me on Instagram, pixie underscore dust 25. I post stuff on my stories. I try to make it inclusive now. Today I just posted um, something on my Instagram story that if you want to hear a topic or share ideas, uh, send it to me and I'll I'll throw it in one of my episodes. I want you guys to hear what you want to hear. I don't want you guys to hear what I want to talk about. Follow my Facebook page, Radical Thoughts. That's where I post my my podcasts. I take screenshots and throw them on my other social medias as well. But that's where you can get like a direct link to it. Um, And once this gets a little bit bigger, I probably might start doing a little bit more with the page. But for now, it's just a library for my podcast episodes. If you want to follow me on Snapchat, ShinTrapIX, that's where I also post stuff for the the podcast. Uh, Sometimes I... ask people to share ideas. I, I post updates on the podcast and it's all, I also post music on there. Not my music, I wish, but music that I'm listening to throughout the week. So if you love music or if you're bored with your music, you can hit me up there. And if you want to share ideas, reach out to me. And you could even be a contributor, an editor, a videographer, a photographer, or even a regular on the podcast. I'm looking for a team. I'm looking for people who want to share their ideas, who want to, who feel like that they have a voice. I want, I want people who disagree with me. I want people who agree with me. I want people who don't even want to talk, but just want to help, you know, I want to build this. So that's all I have for today. Thank you for, for tuning in, for taking however long this podcast episode just took to, to tune into. And I'll see you guys next time. Peace.